Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick fire, tries it, don't know. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Fletcher! Lucius McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson does this again. Welcome to the Hamden Road with me, Andy Barge. Gary Caldwell's primary job may have been to keep the ball out of his own team's net, but against France in 2006 he scored one of Scotland's most memorable goals since the turn of the millennium. I sat down with the now Partick Thistle manager at Forhill to look back over an eventful international career. Yeah, I loved every minute uh, of the time I played for Scotland. It was always a highlight for me. Obviously club football is your, your bread and butter, but... Any time you play for Scotland, it was a, a special occasion. Let's go back to the very beginning then. Growing up as a football fan, what are your earliest memories of Scotland? Scotland would be 1990 World Cup, I think. It was the first World Cup I remembered. Uh, I was eight-year-old. I could remember, obviously, the the kind of excitement and hope <laughs> that, yeah. that we were going to you know, get out the group <laughs> and do, do great things. And then, obviously, the disappointment... Uh, I think the biggest one I remember was Euro 96, mm-hmm. uh, watching the Switzerland game with my big brother uh, Stephen and my dad, and at one point we were going through, I think it was for about five minutes. And Holland scored <laughs> and late on, Holland scored yeah. late on, England beat them 4-1, uh, so yeah, all of them are kind of that excitement and then tinged with the, mm-hmm. the disappointment at the end, but uh, great to, to kind of sit with your family and, and watch Scotland games and uh, go to some games as well. And growing up at that point in the late 80s, um, early to mid 90s, were there any particular idols that you looked up to in the Scotland team? Anyone that you particularly loved? At that time, uh, in terms of the players, it would probably be Paul McStay, uh, was the one I, I admired as a player. I thought he was a graceful player and he, he probably didn't play as much for Scotland as, as he should have and probably hoped to. Uh, but in terms of Kind of legends, I think Kenny Dalglish is, is everyone's. When you see the goals that he scored, you know, looking back, uh, the Spain goal at Hamden was mm-hmm. one that for me was a fantastic goal, and uh, he would be the the idol that I think most Scotland fans would would look to. Okay, and was it an ambition of yours growing up to represent your country eventually? I don't think any young player could say it's an ambition to to play for the country. It's a dream. It's. Uh, you know, you hope it would happen. I just wanted to play football from from a young age. Played with my brother all the time, uh, and as you grow up and played for Scotland schoolboys, and then you know went to to different clubs, you felt like there was a possibility you could have a career. And then you know, once you start having a career, you hope to get picked. And then once you get picked, you want that feeling again as as many times as you can. So it was a dream, I think, to play for for your country and and something like I say, I loved every minute of. That dream came true in 2002, the first game against France away, a bit of a baptism of fire. Yeah, probably a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the dream turned into a nightmare. Uh, that was an incredible team that we played against. And it was a, Zidane, a privilege well. uh, to, to play on that park and, and kind of compete against those players. And Welsh, you never want to lose a game, uh, and definitely not 5 0. You have to hold your hands up sometimes and say they were world-class players at the peak of their form. Reigning world champions. Yeah, and it was just a, a 
privilege to, to play against him and a, a learning experience. I always took those experiences and said, I need to get better. I need to be better to compete with these type of players if, if I want to play at the level I want to play at. So, uh, like I say, whilst it's a disappointment, I always try to use them as learning experiences and improve and be better and, and it gives you motivation to be better and uh, they were outstanding, outstanding team. How did that call-up come about then? You must have been at Hibs or Coventry at that point. I was at Hibs on loan and we were we were struggling actually Hibs at that point and Bertie Volks had just came into the job and he was talking and picking a lot of young players. He'd been to a few hour games uh, but didn't think you know that, that that would be a possibility and then uh, to get named in the squad was, was great. Not thinking again you're going to be involved, you're thinking it's going to be an experience to go and uh, see how international football works and maybe sit on the bench hopefully get on for a few minutes but to start was was great and, and Betty was great in that way he blooded a lot of young players and probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for, for giving those young players an opportunity who all went on to have pretty good international careers I think he, Darren Fletcher uh, James McFadden was in that group as well so he, he had that foresight to, to bring those players in what was your first impression of him as a coach and a person, Bertie? Because he had a, a really uh, a reputation as being maybe a bit odd. Uh, I don't think. No, I think he was quite a, a humorous man. I think the 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 language barrier was very difficult okay. uh, to to I think to do a, a manager's job anywhere is difficult, but to do it in a different country and a different language, communication is so important that that, that makes it difficult. Uh, but as a as a person, he was great. He was very demanding. He, he wanted you to be better and tested you to to be better. He obviously knew what what a good footballer looked like. He was one and and managed Germany uh, Euro '96 to to win that tournament. So uh, he was a great person to to pick things up on. But definitely, the language barrier was a was a big obstacle for him. How did he operate as a coach? Was was he quite prominent on the training ground? Yeah, he was. Him and Tommy uh, were. You know, they would take different groups when they needed to. But when he when he was coaching, he was he was out in the grass. He was vocal. He put his points across, and Tommy was helping. But he 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 did want to coach. He wasn't a manager who stood at the back and let his coaches do it. He wanted to be out in the grass and putting his points across. Did you feel ready when you were called up? You must have been twenty twenty one years old. I don't think you're ever ready for for these moments and and football. But you have to sink or swim, and that was, you know, every every time you get an opportunity, you have to go out and, and take it. So I don't I don't think I was ready, but I came out of that with some credit, like I said, in a in a difficult game, and it gave me that opportunity to get more caps. Where, where were you placed in that team in France? Were you playing in defensive midfield? I was right centre back. Uh, I think the back four was Davy Weir, myself, Christian Daly, and Stephen Craney. That's a good uh, memory, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I looked into it. <laughs> I mean, though, coming up against Zidane, for example, had not long scored that goal at Hamden in the Champions League final. Henri, arguably the best player in the Premier League at the time, that's some step up to go from uncapped to debut. It was a big jump from where I came from. I think Davy was probably the unlucky one because Henri was playing left wing and <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get much cover for me. So uh, they were. Like I said, it was it was world class players playing at the the peak of their game. So to to come from Newcastle reserves to play, a, I think I'd probably played twelve twelve thirteen uh, league games for for Hibs at that time, and then going to that kind of atmosphere against that quality of player was a big jump. But you you have to deal with it. You have to stand up to it, and and like I said, learn from it after when when obviously it didn't go so well. You have to learn and and try and improve from that. We'll, we'll have a more positive discussion about facing France shortly. But we'll carry on with uh, your international career chronologically. You were part of three squads in Nigeria, South Korea and South Africa. All unfortunately ended in defeat. Was it quite a rough introduction to you then? Yeah, it was. We weren't doing well at the time. Hence why obviously the new manager comes in uh, and then he's trying to find his own system, find his own players. And, and that is difficult when you're playing against the quality opposition that we did play against. And it was obviously when you lose games of football, it brings pressure and, and it's it's a difficult moment to play. But like I said, in those early days, you're just trying to learn. You're trying to work out you know, what you need to do to be better, to, to stay in the team and to try and uh, get success playing, playing for uh, at that level. 
How did you feel you were developing a side at that point, playing for Hibs, Coventry, etc.? Yeah, my career was developing at that point. I was I was at Newcastle and hadn't played a first team game. had had been on the bench twice when I was seventeen, and then they had different managers come in, and that kind of put me to the back of the queue. And I was very eager to get my career going and and play games, and that's why I went to Hibs and then Coventry, and I managed to get those games and international games along with that. So when I left Newcastle, I left with I think it was over fifty league games and and probably kind of seven or eight caps, which. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays for academy players that's a big thing that when they leave the bigger clubs they've not got enough league games under their belt to then be appealing to, to managers further down the the pyramid mm-hmm. of, of teams so uh, I was quite happy that my career was developing I was playing games uh, and improving as a footballer I thought my eyes were deceiving me when I read you only got capped once by the under 21s is that right? Uh, no I got more than that More than that yeah I- it says uh, online anyway. Germany away one nil was your solitary cap on the no, SFA website. More than that, that was that was the highlight. Definitely. <laughs> that was a, a good night. Uh, uh, who scored the goal? Was it Sean Maloney that scored the goal or um, Simon Lynch? I didn't notice who scored the goal. I noticed uh, that the squad was pretty good though. Maloney was there. Yeah, uh, Danny Fletcher, Fletcher McGregor. Ian Murray, yeah. Alan McGregor, uh, Craig Gordon. Oh, was right, was okay. sub goalie because it was actually uh, Suter that was a goalie. Derek Suter from Dundee was actually the goalie that night, and they two were on the bench. So, looking uh, back, yeah, it shows you, you know, how career progresses. Your career progresses in different ways. But they were, we were a really strong squad at that time, and they were a good side. Germany. Were there were any future stars in that Germany team? Can the you Germany team had the Aston Villa player, the midfielder, Hitzelsberger. Yes, and they had another couple who weren't, who didn't become massive names, but who were uh, very good players. They were a strong team and. We drew with them at uh, Rugby Park to each and, right. and we beat them away from home and, and actually topped the group but lost to Croatia in the playoff uh, because they, I don't know how it worked but you went into a playoff after that and the Croatia team were outstanding as well. They had Kranchar, okay. uh, who was... I mean, he was a stalwart with Croatia for years. At that, at that time, he was one of the, the, the best young players in the world. He was considered and uh, we lost 2-0 over there and beat them 1-0 at home but we, we were a good side. Well, after your flurry with the under-21s anyway, you got your first goal for Scotland against Trinidad and Tobago at Easter Road, which must have been nice for you, having played there many times. What was it like to get that one over the line? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, a friendly game, but it was a game we won quite comfortably, and to score was brilliant. And, and I think Stephen was on the bench. I think he actually came on for me uh, later on in that game. Uh, but... To score any goal as a defender is, is obviously great, mm. so f- to do it for your country was, was a brilliant feeling. I'm sure that was your favourite one for Scotland, wasn't it? Trinidad and Tobago at Easter Road? No, quite <laughs> not. <laughs> well, some poor results after that saw Bertie Volks leave. What was the reaction from the players? Did they feel it was the right choice? I think whenever I've been a player and a manager gets sacked, you feel some responsibility or a lot of responsibility at, at that moment, and it's a it's not a nice thing regardless of how results are or what's happening uh, with the team but then a new manager comes in and you have to be professional and do your Mm -hmm. job so uh, it was a disappointment because we ultimately were were failing. Were you close to being involved or playing in the playoff games against Holland? I was with under 21s at that time that's we we played Croatia uh, and and I was away uh, with them when when these games were were taking place I I had a kind of I would be in a few squads and playing and sometimes in 21, so I was, I was in between both squads at, at that point. When Walter Smith is appointed, is that an appointment that boosts the confidence of the players? Yeah, Walter Smith was incredible, an incredible manager, an incredible man. I remember his first trip was, a, we just had a squad gathering in Manchester, actually very near where I stay now in Mottram Hall, mm-hmm. uh, kind of south Manchester. Walter had stayed in Wimslow, when he was at Everton and uh, he knew the area well so we went down there we trained at Carrington at Manchester United's training ground and just had really I think it was four or five days together we went out for a couple of meals Mm -hmm. had a few drinks together but I remember him he spoke uh, one of the days one afternoon he had a meeting and just basically spoke about everything that he felt we needed to do to get back to to winning football games he spoke he must have spoke for about two hours Mm -hmm. But it was just an incredible meeting. You were just captivated by what he was saying. 
and, and buying into what he was saying. So straight away, can I set his stall out to say, this is how I'm going to do this. If you want to be a part of it, then great. If you don't, come and see me. Uh, and, and we went from there and went on an incredible run. What was it he identified as needing improved? He identified uh, tactics, how we had to play a certain way. We had to buy into that way of playing. Uh, we had to buy into naming the team early. And if you weren't part of the team, you had to do everything to help the team win by you know, working hard and training, providing the opposition. And uh, He identified the media and how we have to use the media as much as we can and not allow that to become a negative. Uh, he identified the spirit. He just he just covered everything and told stories from his past and uh, different things that was brilliant to listen to. And like I said, everyone bought into that, and and the success was was there. He sounds like one of the more meticulous managers you must have worked with. Then I think he was brilliant. I think defensively, he was the best I've ever worked with in terms of defensive organisation and how to play. You know that defensive style to to win a game of football. He was he was the best I've seen it doing that. And he had a good coaching staff as well. I'm led to believe other players that I've interviewed have spoken highly of that. It was honestly the, the trips away were the funniest ten days that <laughs> that you could have. We had Coisty and and Tommy Burns, mm-hmm. who was just the funniest guy ever uh, to to have in a football environment. I was lucky enough to have him at Celtic and at Scotland, but. Just comical the things that that went on, uh, but they had a great way of when we were serious, everyone knew it was serious, mm-hmm. and then when we weren't, we had that downtime to relax. And I think often you go away for your country, and it can be like a training camp where everything's, you know, everyone's serious twenty four hours a day, and it can't be like that. You need to find ways to relax, and they got the balance uh, perfect, uh, so everyone was comfortable. But when it came to doing the work, they were ready to go. Were you surprised earlier this year when it emerged that Walter Smith had been spoken to about taking the job again? Not at all. No, I think he was probably the best Scotland manager I worked under the period we had. The the results we had against the teams we were playing against were were amazing. And I think his knowledge of football uh, is is second to none. Well, Scotland won a trophy under Walter Smith. The Kim Cup, was that a, a strange but special experience? It was a brilliant night after it, I know that. <laughs> uh, it was a great trip. Again, you, you're going away the other side of the world and and you look forward to it. You look forward to spending time with the staff, the players. They had created that uh, club environment where everyone was, was happy. And we went away and we, we hammered Bulgaria 5-1 and then the best, well, probably one of the best backs against the wall displays against <laughs> Japan you'll ever see. Where we just parked a Scottish bus, <laughs> not even in the eighteen yard line, in the goal, <laughs> and uh, defended for our lives and, and drew nil nil. But that's what he was good at. He was good at nullifying uh, teams that were probably technically better than us, uh, player for player better than us. But we could get results, and I just remember coming in after it, and there was two crates of beer, Kieran mm-hmm. beer, uh, sitting on the change room floor, and people had cans open within five minutes of the game ending so I thought well this is this is only going to go one way Uh, and we had a great night in uh, in Japan after the game and flew home and uh, brilliant memories and uh, it was a great squad that who were the standouts in in the squad at that point then because that was just before the very successful well nearly very successful qualifying campaign yeah that was when kind of like the the younger players were becoming regulars and Craig Gordon myself Darren Fletcher James McFadden and then we had great experience with David Weir Christian Daly Kenny Miller was was probably a bit older than that that first group that I mentioned mm-hmm. Barry Ferguson in midfield Lee McCulloch was coming into the squad then playing well at Wigan week in week out so we had we had a great mix of youth and, and experience that I think you know every team needs our average age was probably kind of in the mid 20s uh, so it was a good squad Was it made clear to you by Smith from almost the get-go that as long as you worked hard and had the right attitude you would be a first pick? Not at all, no. He, he never. I don't think he would have said that to anyone. I think he was the type of man that said, you know, you need to be playing well for your club to have a chance to play for your country. Then when you come, it's you know he picks a team based on any one game. And the best example I have of that, we played the Faroe Islands at Parkhead and I wasn't playing. I was, I was disappointed as, as anyone would be when you're not playing, but I was on the bench and 
eager to get on and I think we were about 3-0 up at half time but very comfortable at half time and I remember just coming out uh, getting ready to go back on the bench and the gaffer shouted me and said come here and I thought you know, am I going on or he said you're not going on today and I thought right. I was a bit then like oh, you know and he said but you're starting on Tuesday he said so don't warm up get your head ready you're playing on Tuesday okay. so at half time on the Saturday he knew his team for the Tuesday night and that was how he how he planned and the Faroe Islands game to Lithuania away was obviously a totally different yeah. game he went with a back four on the Saturday changed to three on the the Tuesday night and I played and we, we think we won in Lithuania 2-1 yeah. I think yeah. yeah I think we won in Lithuania and got off to a flying start I well, it was 9 points from 9 and when you saw the draw for that group though how did the squad react is it excitement or gutted at how tough it's going to be it's probably a bit of both I think Scotland always seem to get these draws where, where uh, we get the, the tough groups and uh, I think every year with the seedings it makes it more difficult but it was a really tough group, uh, probably the toughest I faced, and it was just disappointing. I think if we got any other group at that time, we'd have qualified, mm-hmm. and uh, that group made it so difficult that we we just missed out again. The two World Cup finalists are in there. A team that got to the the quarter finals are in there, but you only played three games during that campaign. What what happened there? Was it injury? Was it just simply selection? Yeah, I started obviously the I'd been three of the first four games. I started under Walter and then Alec came in and uh, didn't play the three at the back as much. And Davy and uh, Mick became the kind of central defensive partnership. And I was on the bench for a lot of the games. And like Walter said, you come, you're part of it. You get behind the team and do what you need to do to to help them win. So I, I still felt part of it, but ideally you you would have liked to have played more. Let's discuss the France game then. What was it like before the match? It was one of those nights at Hampton. It was dark, rainy, the atmosphere was buzzing. What are your recollections pre-match? Pre-match, I've said this before, I've never before or since uh, been involved in a game where the manager, everything he says happens. Everything. We, we worked on it all week. Uh, how we were going to play, deny them space. Again, kind of defend very deep and a low block just the, uh, just outside the 18 yard line really and get men behind the ball uh, Faddy was the lone striker and, and try and use him as a counter attack frustrate them as the game wears on we'll get more chances we'll get set pieces and we'll score for a set piece and literally <laughs> everything he said happened and I'm sure he's probably thinking you know that doesn't happen yeah. often <laughs> but uh, it was great preparation there was a calmness going into the game Another thing you used to do before we went out, the last thing we did before we went out, usually that's your manager's opportunity to give a last kind of battle cry or get the team ready, get them focused. He used to get Billy McCulloch, the masseur, mm-hmm. in to tell a joke. <laughs> and we used to come out in the tunnel like laughing and joking. And, and I remember France, other teams looking, thinking, what's going on here? You know, like they're coming out to play a massive game. Yeah. And they're all laughing and kind of giggling at each other, and it was a really clever ploy for for Walter again to to use that to settle nerves. You don't need to g people up to play for their country; they're mm-hmm. they're ready to go. And he used that as a, I think, to to calm us down and and to get us in a you know a happy frame of mind to to go out and perform. What was your job that night? Do you remember? What did you have to do or take care of? Defend for your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we. We weren't the quickest back three. It was me, Davy, and Elvis. So that would that would be a good race, a pretty slow <laughs> one, but a good one. Uh, and we we were just camped on the eighteen yard line. But because we had bodies round about us, they had didn't have any space to work on. We didn't have any space to run in behind. We rode our luck early. I think they hit the post. Yeah. I think Craig made a couple of good saves early, which was always going to be the case. But as the game wore on, their frustration rose, and and you could tell they were struggling to break us down and found it really uh, hard to, to do that. So Did you was, see them getting annoyed with themselves? Yeah, you could. As the, as the half wore on, uh, and even because we were so compact, you could you could get contact on them, you could kind of leave your foot in, you could elbow them, <laughs> and, the, and the strikers then were, were becoming really frustrated at, one, the lack of space, and two, the, the contact, because we were uh, so compact as a team to, to do that. And 
like I said, as the game wore on, we did actually grow into the game a bit second half and didn't defend as deep because, well, we got two corners, I think it was, <laughs> uh, which was more than we got first half because we didn't actually get out of half first half. Uh, you said Walter Smith very much predicted what was going to happen, said that we'll score from a set piece. So were the set pieces worked on a lot in the training ground or was it pretty much you got up, put the ball in? Yeah, I think it was pretty much this is our opportunity, put it in the box, we're bigger than them, we're more aggressive than them, this is our opportunity to score, so we use our advantage and our uh, strength to, to go and do that, and we had obviously the three centre-backs, Christian Daly was in the team, Graham Alexander, uh, we had Paul Hartley's quality uh, delivery, so it, it was a no-brainer to, to put it in the mix and, and get the big guys kind of going and attacking it, and that's what we did. How often do you relive that goal? Yeah, no, I've showed my kids it a lot uh, now that they're getting older and, and they never really seen me play a lot uh, yeah. as they were older. And now I have to tell them, you know, I've I've played against some good players and they tell me how good Neymar is. And I said, oh, I've played against Neymar and Ronaldo and <laughs> um, Henri and, and they don't quite believe yeah. it, so I have to show them sometimes. <laughs> uh, and there's not many clips of me doing good things, so I just show them that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great to watch it. It always sends a shiver up your spine because... It brings back the feelings that you had on that day. When the ball was getting swung in from Hartley, and you just managed to get your, your left studs just about to, I believe, and it rattles into the net. You're up, Hamden's going crazy. Is it just pure instinct what to do? You can't plan for a moment like that. You can't, no, and I describe it as a half volley for 15 yards, so that's <laughs> your description is different from mine. I don't know if you were at the game, but it's I, I remember it differently. Uh, but yeah, I think you, I picked up the fight, the ball early, and I think any goal I've scored from a set piece that's the one thing, if you pick up the flight of the ball early, then that's when normally you get on the end of it uh, and then it was just a case I got in front of him and I knew he was, he was kind of the wrong side when when I had the flight of the ball and like you said managed to get something on it and get it on target and because you're that close it, it's difficult for the goalkeeper and then you don't know what you're thinking, it's almost like an out of body experience where when you look back you can't remember what was happening at that moment. It's wow. it's uh, it's an incredible feeling, and uh, obviously one you, you hope you get again, but it, you can't create it. It just happens, and a great day, great day. And the atmosphere at Hamden in that game, especially the last twenty odd minutes after Scotland went one 0 up, does that rank right up there as the most intense home support you've played in in front of? Yeah, they were almost willing us to, to keep the ball out the net and that was the thing, I think once we went ahead in that game it became even more difficult because we were even more resilient, even more dogged we probably sending even more defenders on the pitch <laughs> uh, and we we just seen out attack after attack and they started putting long balls in the box which then you're thinking, perfect we've picked three defenders to go and head the ball they've not got centre forward who want to head the ball and they were playing into our hands, so that going the goal up was was huge. And then it was just a case of keeping doing what we were doing and see the game out. Was it relief at full time? Joy? Uh, yeah, probably disbelief would disbelief. be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you were tired as well. It was you know you to defend for that long uh, a period or periods in the game is is difficult physically and mentally because they're so good, they're so quick. Uh, their movement was incredible, so you had to be mentally on it, but physically very difficult as well. So uh, fatigue is there, but yeah, yeah it's, it's all, again, you, it's just like uh, you know, have we won? Is this finished? And and then the, it all starts to sink in, kind of ten, fifteen minutes after that, uh, when you're on the pitch, it doesn't really sink in. The, the last kick of the ball was a, a France free kick from roughly the halfway line. At that point, when Scotland are getting set set up, what is going through your head just? thinking 10 more seconds, just see this through, just utter focus? Or is there a bit of nerves creeping in by that point? No, I don't think you ever... There's no nerves at that point uh, on the football pitch. There's nerves before you go out, but when you're on the football pitch, I can honestly say I never had any nerves. It's more nervous watching. Now as a manager, it's nerves because you're not in control. But there you're just thinking, get the first contact on the ball. You know, Make sure you get the first contact on the ball so you're on your toes ready to, to go and attack the ball and then it, it actually sailed over us and Craig Gordon came out and yeah. caught it so yeah you're just focused on, on doing your job at that moment and it was nine points from four games unfortunately Ukraine got the better of us the game after that but 
that's a great start for Scotland, especially in a group like that. At that point, was there a real belief that we would be contending to qualify at the at the back end of the campaign? I think there was. Yeah, I think every campaign I played, we, we struggled at the start, and we were always chasing, and that was the one that we we got a good start, and it gave you real belief and momentum. And whenever you see any teams recently Northern Ireland have done it it's a good start that yeah. gets you that momentum it's very rare that one of the lower teams will come with a late charge so that was the one time we got a good start and, and it did give us belief that we could do something What was it like when Walter Smith left the way you're talking about him as a manager and a person I'm assuming you and a lot of the other players must have been pretty gutted when he moved on Yeah that was a real disappointment because he didn't leave because results were bad he left for probably the one job the only job he would leave for. Uh, so there was a real disappointment with that one and frustration that we, we didn't kind of see it through and, and go all the way and get to the finals. You didn't play much under McLeish. You've said when he came in, he changed to a back four. But did the squad believe when he came in that it could be continued? Yeah, I think what he done was just continue what what we were doing in terms of the, the principles of play and being hard to beat and... Uh, hard working you know good Scottish values that he just continued that and, and changed slightly within the, the tactical setup of the team uh, but kept the, the values and kept the, the squad pretty much the same just changed little bits in between which was, was clever Were you at the Italy game at Hamden? Yeah I was subbing that night yeah. And uh, how, how disappointing is that at full time? It was very good I think for 10 minutes we had them on the ropes Barry Ferguson scored the equaliser and Faddy missed, I, I Back just post. couldn't get on the end of a, a cross and uh, we, we had them on the ropes and, and just couldn't get over the line and they broke late to score and, and send us out but uh, it was a tremendous effort for everyone because they were another top team that you know to go and compete toe-to-toe with them was showed, showed how good a team we were. Is that by far the most enjoyable moment of your Scotland career to look back on that era? Yeah, like I said, I enjoyed every cap and obviously there's disappointments within that uh, in terms of losing games and not qualifying. Uh, but every time you pulled on the jersey, it was uh, a privilege and a, and a proud moment. But definitely that period was, was the most success we've had and the closest we came uh, in my career. George Burley came in for the qualification campaign for 2010 after McLeish went to Birmingham City. How different was he as a manager to the previous two? Yeah, it was different. It had changed a bit. Personnel had changed a bit. Some older players didn't play as much, and there was there was younger players coming through. Uh, so it changed a bit, and results were were poor. We we weren't good enough. Uh, we we got poor starts in campaigns. I think we lost to Macedonia. Macedonia. We lost over. It was roasting in Macedonia that day, but we got a bad start and then didn't recover. And like I said, I think qualifying if you get a good start, it gives you. a a real chance to, to go and do something. What went wrong under Burley? Because I, I, looking back, I don't think the squad was, was that bad. The group was doable, I would say. Holland, Norway, Iceland, Macedonia. I think Scotland could and should be contending to qualify from that. So why didn't it really work out, do you think? Performances and results weren't good enough. And when that happens, confidence goes. They probably start changing the team and the personnel. There's not a... You know, when you look at Walter and... and Alex, uh, time a bit. The the team and and the the group didn't change a lot, and, and I think it changed started to change a lot under George because results weren't good enough, and that then leads to uh, a bit of lack of confidence, and and it's a kind of on a slippery slope from there. You were sent off in Norway for two yellow cards, I believe, for around about the half hour mark. Did you feel that was a justified sending off? I thought it was harsh at the time. To be honest, it was John Carew who was a really physical player and. Our, our aim was to be physical with him. Uh, the the first one was probably a booking, but the second one was was very harsh. And then for it to be a red was obviously disappointing. And then it, it led to us losing the game, a game which we, we probably could have won. So that was probably the the lowest point of of my Scotland career. The red card. Yeah, well, it's fine margins though, because for example, um, in the home game against Norway, if Ulmo puts that in the net. You know, things are very much different. Not to say them out because there's loads of ifs ifs and buts. But that's when you you have to look back on and think, well... Yeah, I think we had a couple of 0-0 draws in that campaign. Defensively, we were were okay. 
but then that, that chance I've seen it a few times since obviously as everyone else probably has and it's one of the moments that it's harder to miss than it is to score and if you score it it, it changes the complexion of everything so I think it's the, the story of Scotland campaigns uh, from for years for many years the, the fate was sealed in that group with a 1-0 loss to Holland and Burley went shortly after there's some poor friendly results against Japan and Wales those end of season friendlies you said in the media recently that you think you may it may have been beneficial for you to sit out some Scotland games during your career for the sake of longevity are those the prime examples of that? Yeah I think so I, th- I just think I think footballers it's very difficult physically what it does to your body and uh to ask players to play a full season and go and travel and play friendly games and then you know to do that consistently uh, it can be difficult and when you have little niggles you know you, you, you sometimes it's better for the the player to, to sit out and kind of look after his body and, and might add years on at the end of his career I was somebody that never done that and, and ultimately physically you pay the price for that uh, but Everyone's different. Everyone will, will choose what they, they want to do. But I was someone that whenever I got picked, I can honestly say hand on heart, I turned up no matter what condition I was in physically and, and gave it everything I could. What was it you struggled with injury-wise? My hips. My hips were from about 24, 25. I had pain after games and, and struggled with them and managed it for years. And then at 28, had double hip surgery uh, when I first went to Wigan. Came back fine from that after... It was about probably two two and a half seasons. I then went back in and got my left one done, but knew at that point I was I was struggling and uh, played four games after that and, and retired. I think I was about thirty one right. uh, when it, when I stopped playing, which is relatively young. Yeah, and only recently had a double hip replacement. Uh, wow. So okay. it shows that, like I say, footballers, it's not an easy life physically. It it takes a lot out your body and you have to pay the price for that but it's a price that I think is worth it Did it feel like Burley's tenure had just naturally run its course? Yeah I think so I think the the Wales game was was awful we were really poor and I think all the players kind of knew what was coming and like I said you're, you're disappointed because you are ultimately a part of that process and the manager is the one that carries the can so there was a disappointment from on a personal level that, that you couldn't I've, I've done better to, to make him more successful. Craig Levine came in the qualifying campaign for the 2012 Euros, Spain, Czech Republic, Lithuania, Liechtenstein. Some memorable moments in that along the way. Again, a doable group just fell short in the end. One game that I would like to touch on is the Czech Republic game at home. Now, as a Scotland fan, when I look back at disappointments uh, as a supporter, obviously you've got Kane equalising last year, Georgia away, etc. But that Czech Republic game for whatever reason really sticks out for me as such a missed opportunity and not Scotland's fault because of the, the penalty in the last minute how raging was that? Yeah it was disappointing we actually played quite well that day it was two each wasn't it? we mm-hmm. went 1-0 up and then 2-1 up and then, Another and, Fletcher. and then lost uh, to that late penalty and it was uh, a dive that's sometimes it that <laughs> happens in football you, you have to as a player, you have to try and take the emotion out of it and just play the game, but those moments can happen and it's it's a big disappointment at the time. Uh, but yeah, we, we were actually we were okay in that group and could have done a bit better for, for different reasons. The Spain game at Hamden, were you involved in I was the squad at that night, point? Yeah. In the sub? Another example of Hamden when it's, I suppose, at its best for a Scotland game, 50,000 there, Scotland are really piling on the pressure against a, a team that they would expect to lose against but do you have any particular memories of that despite being on the bench uh, I remember seeing Casillas' wife at half time when I was warming up that's probably the one big memory uh, no I remember we played well in the game uh, for for a period in the second half we were 2-0 down and uh, we came back to two each and, and again had them on the ropes they were, and they were a fantastic oh, yeah. team they couldn't get the ball off them never mind score Uh and then they came back and I think it was Laurenti scored yeah, late just volley, missed, just missed just the flight of the ball done, and yeah. he scored late so uh, big disappointment because again you had a, a world class team on the ropes and I think that's what Hamden does it, it, it gives us that opportunity because of the crowd because of the atmosphere that, that we can generate uh, and it, it gets extra 
I don't know what out of players, but it does get extra out of players and puts the opposition on the back foot at that moment. And with examples like that, Spain game or France or Germany and Germany and England recently, are you pleased for that reason that national team football will be played at Hamden for the foreseeable? Yeah, I was somebody that I don't know a lot about it financially or, or the implications in, in, in those kind of ways, but I know about it from a fan's point of view and, and from a player's, and, and I think you need a national home, and uh, I'm delighted that it's it's going to stay. But like I said, there was other reasons that, that might be different and, and other people have different opinions, but I'm, I'm glad that they're still going to be there. And uh, Craig Levine was the manager of that point. What was he like to work with? I love Craig Levine. I think he's... A fantastic manager, a great man manager. Uh, you want to play for him, you want to do well for him. He was very uh, involved the players. I was at an age in my career where I'd, I'd played quite a lot for Scotland, quite an experienced player, and uh, you could talk to him. He asked your opinion, uh, and he was he was somebody that I really enjoyed working with, and and I felt got a bit of a raw deal. Uh, if you think the the one thing that sticks out and probably why he lost his job was the the no strikers and Guardiola does it now he's a genius <laughs> and, and Craig, Craig Levine done it years ago and, and got criticised for it when the intentions of doing it were right the way we performed and the way it, it transpired by losing the game means that he's wrong but the intentions and how, how he went about it was right What were the intentions behind it? Uh, to deny them space in, in midfield and, and stop Rizicki and stop uh, Plazil coming in and deny them space in there and, and stop them and, and hit them on the counter-attack and we actually did, it was my fault probably for the goal, I was zonal for the goal misjudged the flight of the ball and uh, Bentner scored a header at the near post and, and we should have easily got out of there with a 0-0 draw which would have been a positive result and everyone would have said he's a genius but that's the 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 chances you take as a manager when you when you make those decisions they they can go right or wrong but like I said his intentions were right and uh, the way he put it across to us was right it just didn't transpire the way he wanted it to. Well, Levine stayed in charge for the start of the World Cup 2014 campaign. Two draws against Serbia and Macedonia at home really put us on the back foot. That's just an example of what you were saying earlier about how smaller nations really do need a strong a strong start if they're going to go on and contend. Yeah, you have to win your home games and you, and you have to win early to, to give you that momentum and, and we never seem to do that apart from the, the France and Italy group. So, yeah, that was a, a disappointment again. And there was the infamous Wales game and that group away from home. What are your memories of that and Gareth Bale's double? How dangerous was he to play against? Very dangerous. Uh, but, again, as a manager, now thinking we were told, we were shown that he can't be allowed to shoot he was scoring goals for everywhere and, and twice we allowed him to shoot and, and he punished us in a game that we didn't play great but we were leading and, and we should have seen that game out and, and won so again that's where as a player and like I said now I'm in that position as the manager, as a player I, I felt you know sorry for for the managers that lost their job in those situations because ultimately they they had gave us the information we knew what we had to do and as players we didn't carry it out and they're the ones that, that carry the can for that. So it, it didn't really seem like the natural time you feel for Levine's Scotland tenure to come to an end. Did you feel that the players were happy working under him? Yeah, I think so. I think there was other points, obviously. You know, things were, were different in terms of managers and players, but with Craig, uh, everyone was still fully committed. We still believed we, we had a good group of players and we were on the right track and the powers that be make, make those decisions. And like I say, they're always based on results, but there's things that were actually going well and, and we're progressing so uh, the timing of them is, is out with the players' hands and out with the manager's fine hands fine margins it's very fine and what about Strachan being appointed then was he someone that the players could easily get behind yeah I could personally obviously having worked yeah. with him at Celtic I was delighted uh, he got it and I think he was a, a, a fantastic choice the only thing I, I couldn't really do what I wanted to, to do for him uh, you struggling with injury badly at that point? I was struggling badly at that point. I was hardly playing for Wigan. I was taking injections to train. I think the, the Wales-Serbia doubleheader was my, my last doubleheader. And I remember sitting on the Saturday night with him because we had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. We spoke kinda after Celtic and kept in touch. And He said, how do you feel? And I was saying, Look, I'm, I'm struggling here. I, I want to play for you, but 
you maybe be better playing somebody else because I'm you know I'm in pain and I can't do what you need me to do. And he was like, see how you are tomorrow. Woke up tomorrow, struggling to walk. <laughs> and he's like, how are you feeling? I went, still not great. See how you are tomorrow. And by the Tuesday, he, he, I was better, and he, and he played me, and I was I was awful in the game. I, c- I could hardly move, and uh, I just remember sitting with Kenny Miller at the airport saying, oh, "I'll never play for Scotland again. I just I can't do it." And and I have to almost take it out of the manager's hands because, you know, he, he he's going to play me because he, he of a relationship we had for Celtic, and we didn't really speak. But I I, I don't know if I missed the next one with injury, and then. I just knew that, that I was never going to play again. Was it quite heartbreaking to come to that conclusion yourself and admit it? Yeah, I would never admit it publicly. I'd never come out, I don't believe in this, you know, I'm retiring for international football. I think it's very egotistical and to say that you have that right to, to give yourself up. And Like I said, I've played for Scotland and I don't think I was probably fit enough, that last game being the, the main one of those mm-hmm. games. But uh, I wanted to put myself forward and... I I just knew that he, the the manager wouldn't pick me again because he could see that that I was finished at, at that level and uh, it's disappointing especially when it's not your choice and it's your body kind of failing you it is a disappointment but it was the right thing to do I should really only had fifty four caps if I'm being <laughs> honest but so be it. So looking back at the career, is it a mix of pride and tinges of regret? I think pride, I think I know I can look in the mirror and say I gave everything for my country and, and tried my very best and ultimately we, we weren't good enough for for a number of different reasons but uh, I'm proud of every cap that I got. Uh, I do regret not playing in a, in a major finals. I think when you start playing and you become a bit of a regular, that is then the next challenge. Can you get to a finals? And I think it would have been an amazing experience to spend the time together to play in such high profile games it must be an incredible experience and, and to not have that's disappointing but uh, that was the kind of the era I played in and uh, it's now up to the, the boys we have now to, to go and make that a reality for Scotland fans Well let's quickly discuss that group then Belgium, Russia, Kazakhstan, Cyprus San Marino, how do you assess it? I think it's difficult to assess these groups uh, when they first come out because the, the qualifiers don't start for a while uh, Belgium will obviously be extremely strong as we've seen recently in the friendly but then apart from that Russia's a difficult away game but every other game especially at home uh, is is winnable and and it's something we have to push for probably the second spot again but having the the Nations League kind of back up is is a huge benefit to us and we can go into that with no fear and and really have a go at it. If you you don't mind me taking you back to the start of the year you came out and said that you were interested in the Scotland manager's role. I mean, the fan, I think the fans were fairly surprised to hear it. Is that something you could understand? Yeah, I can understand it, but there, was, there wasn't many candidates at the time. Uh, I was a manager uh, who, who was out of work, and, and I felt like I had the, the knowledge, I felt like I had the, the recent experience of playing that I could help, and, and I was, you know, I would put my name forward for that. When Alec McLeish then put his name forward, then his experience, then it was a no-brainer that, that he was going to get it. So, like I've said before, as a player, I would do whatever it takes to help. I felt that I could contribute in some way. Uh, so I, I spoke to Stuart Reagan and I spoke to people within the SFA and uh, ultimately it didn't happen, but um, it's something I felt I could have done. Are you still confident you could have been successful? Yeah, always. I think you have to believe in your own ability and like I said, I, I understand international football and how international players think. Uh, so I, I believe it's a job I could do. And is that a hope for the future then, as a, a managerial ambition? Not at the minute. Like I said, I've, <laughs> I've got enough on my plate here. Uh, at some point to, down the line, 10, 20 years, whenever. I think when you're a player, you want to play it at the highest level and, and, and play for your country. So to, when you're a manager, I think it's no different. But I think, I said at the time, I think it's you know I think it's a young or an old person's job you know I think if you're young I think you have that link to the to the players and and that knowledge fresh knowledge of international football but then after that I think it's older managers who have the experience of club football and understand the game a lot more Uh, so it's I think you either have to be really young or or old to to get it. We'll finish on a couple of quick fire questions just looking back at your career who would you say is your toughest opponent player wise not team? International level? International level. Because like, easy ones are obviously the French players, uh, but 
and the games we played, they, they didn't actually cause as much problems mm-hmm. as you think. I'd probably say John Carew yeah. uh, at the time. He was playing really well for Aston Villa and he was very physical and very quick. That was George had actually said he wanted us to play a high line in, in the game at home uh, and me and David Weir were the centre-backs <laughs> and in the first minute he'd absolutely roasted us and had a shot at goal and we looked at each other and the line suddenly became about 20 yards deeper. Uh, but John Carew was a handful and obviously getting sent off against him because he used his body so well and he was physical. Uh, he was difficult to play against. And what about the toughest team then as a whole? Would that be your debut? Toughest team were France, yeah. They were even, even both games and even the game I was subbed for the game over in Paris, they, they battered us. They absolutely battered us that night and uh, it was an incredible defensive performance to, to stay in the game and then Fadi's uh, wonder goal <laughs> was, you know, just unbelievable how we could beat that group of players because they were, they were so good uh, and, and what they'd done but that's what makes football special. You have those moments to, to, to beat them. My next one is favourite Scotland manager, Walt Turner, but I believe you answered that earlier, Walter Smith. I'd say Walter and then Gordon. I think Gordon was a great Scotland manager, a great choice at the time. Uh, just disappointed I couldn't do what he wanted me to do, but uh, Walter Smith, at, 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 my, at that moment in my career, I was probably kind of coming into the peak years and uh, loved working under him, but Walter and, Walter and Gordon. Does one moment stick out as a particular regret, say, if only that was different? Probably lots of moments. <laughs> no, no one in particular, lots of different moments that ultimately cost us uh, qualifying. And, and that can be players, different things, coaching, different setups, and loads of different things. Well, this one's, I think, going to be quite an easy one, the, the moment you'll never forget. Yeah, the France goal. Uh, my debut uh, was, was amazing. Uh, to to play in that stadium against those mm-hmm. players was was an incredible feeling. Being so young, but the goal against France is the one that will always get talked about. And uh, it's the one thing I can show the kids to to say that I did actually score a goal uh, <laughs> at Hamden and and show them for forevermore because it'll always be there. Right. Well, some clear, Gary. Thanks very much for running through it with me. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.